Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, all right, all right. What is going on, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of In Liberty and Health. I had a guest cancel today. So um, I decided I should finally tackle this subject because I've talked about it quite a bit. Um, <laughs> on the Twitterverse and have gone back and forth with a lot of people about it. And this is also something that I changed my mind on. Uh, seed oils. Are seed oils killing us? Are they a thing that ails us? Is this responsible for the obesity crisis? Um, are you going to have a heart attack as soon as you have a teaspoon of canola oil? Let's dive into it. Let's freaking talk about it. Uh, oh, geez, I should have had this ready. All right, guys. Let's rock and roll. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So over the last few years, as the keto craze has gotten crazier, crazier, and crazier, and the low carb zealousness has continued to increase. Um, people have started to pivot over to seed oils because they couldn't quite condemn carbs because carbs were, you know, as we found out, like good for you. <laughs> um, so we pivoted over from that to like refined sugar. And then as you started to look into studies about refined sugar, you find out, oh, well, isocalorically, it's actually not that bad. Um, the problem is that just it's very hard to regulate your consumption of sugar if you're eating a high sugar diet. And <clears throat> If you're eating a lot of sugar, then you're also displacing those calories that you could be using with something a little bit better for you, fiber, maybe, you know, non-starchy vegetables. I don't know. Anything that isn't sugary. Oh, you know what? I got a new a new friend right there. Greta Thunberg made me do it. I just want everybody to know. And for those listening, that is the uh, squid or the octopus. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if anybody knows what I'm talking about, uh, you, you You'll laugh about it, but I had to do it. Um, I got a tattoo today as well, and it's funny because I'm looking at my shark right here, and he got his little teeth. Well, I got those teeth around my knee, and I'll tell you what, tattoos around the knee definitely do not feel good. Um, I found that out the hard way today, and um, I would not recommend people do it, but um, if you're going to do it, just be ready for some pain because it does it, – it hurts. It really freaking hurts right above the knee, on the shin, on each side of the knee. It, it sucks. So um, anyway, seed oils, I have changed my mind on this. And if you listen to some of the earlier podcasts that I've done um, discussing health, then you'll find that I was once a very big anti-seed oil guy. I believe that these things were the devil and they're killing you and, oh, they cause inflammation and then you get lacerations in your arteries and that's how you get heart disease. But um, 
as I learned more and more and as I got wiser and wiser and as I talked to more and more people, specifically people who are more well-versed in nutrition than I am, and I would like to believe that I'm definitely more diverse or well-versed than the average bear, um, I found that uh, it was it just wasn't quite the picture that a lot of low carb guys were painting out there. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah. I absolutely love sharks and that's exactly why <laughs> my wife had got me this tattoo on my leg, but I'm not going to show it. I'd have to completely disrupt the whole show. So um, we're going to dive into some articles today and some studies about seed oils, PUFAs, which are polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, MUFAs, molyunsaturated fatty acids, and also saturated fatty acids. We're going to compare all of them with all the literature I got compiled here for you guys. We're going to look at the metabolic effects, um, fatty liver disease, uh, heart disease, and all that kind of stuff. So um, let me pull up this article here, and we will just get right into it. Oh, no. There we go. Okay, apologies for those watching. Um, are vegetable and seed oils bad for your health? Um, this is an article from Healthline. As always, you can find all the links below if you guys want to read this for yourself. If you don't believe your lion eyes, as they might say. Um, so while these oils can be a healthy source of fat, some varieties are better choices than others. The consumption of vegetable oils has increased dramatically in the past century. Most mainstream health professionals consider them healthy, but vegetable oils may cause health problems. Their health effects vary depending on what fatty acids they contain, what plants they're extracted from, and how they're processed. This article looks at the evidence to determine if vegetable and seed oils are bad for your health. Um, so like I said earlier on, I would definitely be of the bias that seed oils were bad for you. Um, but I really think what it boils down to and what I think a lot of literature we're going to look at today kind of boils down to is that they're really not bad for you outside of, or within a calorie controlled context. So if you are in overall good shape and you're not overeating food, then seed oils aren't bad for you. And in fact, um, as we'll review a little bit later on, they're actually cardioprotective, which means that they decrease your risk of, um, a cardiovascular disease. Um, so what are they and how are they made? Edible oils extracted from plants are commonly known as vegetable oils. In addition to their use in cooking and baking, they're found in processed foods, including salad dressings, margarine, mayonnaise, and cookies. Common vegetable oils include safflower oil, soybean oil, and canola oil. I believe uh, soybean oil or safflower oil, one of those were originally called rapeseed oil. And you have to imagine why people probably didn't want to use that name anymore. Uh, refined vegetable oils were not available in the 20th century when the technology to extract them became available. Or until, I apologize, um, were not available until the 20th century when the technology to extract them became available. These are extracted from plants using either a chemical solvent or oil mill. Then they are often purified, refined, and sometimes chemically altered. Health-conscious consumers prefer oils that are made by crushing or pressing plants or seeds rather than those produced by using chemicals. Um, and they just have a little summary here. Edible plant oils are commonly known as vegetable oils. The oil is often extracted by chemical solvents or by crushing or pressing other plant seeds. So this is a talking point that you hear quite a bit from the low-carb people. Um, Nina Teichels is probably one of the first people that comes to mind. And she will often bring up how um, this is machine lubricant from way back in the day, which sounds scary. But, um, you know, we should assess it by its merit and by the overall human health outcomes. We shouldn't assess it by how it's made, um, you know, unless we're talking about butchering people alive or something like that. Okay, well, we're talking about food, right? You got to remove all morality from food because when you start putting morality to food, then that's typically when you start making these hard rules and you develop disordered eating patterns. So uh, anyways, continuing on. 
Uh, consumption has increased drastically. As everybody will know, you'll see seed oils in absolutely everything. So um, it, it's understandable why people would blame these for absolutely you know all the health ills because if they're in everything and we eat a lot of them, then that must mean they're bad, right? In the past century, the consumption of vegetables has increased the expense of other fats like butter. They're often labeled as heart healthy and recommended as an alternative to sources of saturated fats such as butter, lard, or tallow. The reason vegetables are considered heart healthy is that studies consistently link polyunsaturated fat, PUFAs, to reduce risk of heart problems compared with saturated fat. Um, now, this is a point that a lot of the carnivore and low-carb people would bring up and say that... Uh, Basically, this is BS, um, that LDL, you don't really have to worry about it so long as you're metabolically healthy. But um, I'm not going to get into these studies today. Um, Alan Flanagan and I talked about it a little bit, which I would love to get him back on. Maybe I'll reach out to him sometime soon and uh, set that up. But um, basically, they would say that oh, LDL doesn't matter. And as long as your other um, metabolic markers, your blood markers, so your HDL or triglycerides look good, then um, don't worry about your LDL, but um, there are Mendelian randomization trials, which are basically they correlate people who have like similar genomes. I think this is the way that it works out. I haven't read these studies personally, but um, basically they plot out people with the same um, genetics and find that people who have a higher LDL versus people who don't, um, the people who have a higher LDL always consistently had more heart attacks. So uh, despite their potential health benefits, um, some some scientists are worried about how much of these oils people are consuming. These concerns apply to oils that contain a lot of omega-6 omega fats, as explained in the next chapter. Um, so a lot of people will bring up the omega-6 to 3 ratio and how that's supposed to be as close to 1 to 1 as possible. But um, to my understanding, and I talked to Alan once again about this as well, um, basically it's the lack of omega-3 that actually is damaging to people. It's not <clears throat> the excess omega-6. It's a lack of omega-3 because omega-3 is very healthy for you. You know, it's found in fatty fish, uh, some nuts and stuff like that. So when you're getting those, you're also getting that, you know, beneficial fats. Um, so what do we know about omega-6? It's important to note that not all plant oils are bad for your health. For example, avocado oil and olive oil are both excellent choices. Um, consider limiting plant oils high in omega-6 as well as processed foods that contain these plant oils. So I just want to highlight right here, um, consider limiting plant oils high in omega-6 as well as processed foods. Um, I do not necessarily have a problem with processed foods, but... I do have a problem with them insofar as they cause you to overconsume. If you can moderate your consumption of ice cream and pizza and all that stuff, um, you know, have one slice of pizza, don't eat the whole damn thing, uh, have one scoop of ice cream, don't have the whole quart, uh, stuff like that, then actually you'll be fine. But the problem is that these foods are very hard to stop eating. So for some people, it may be a little bit more appropriate for them to limit their consumption versus other people who may be able to just have a little bit and then walk away from it. Uh, I know at times if I'm really hungry, then, you know, just like the rest of us, I am human. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, quite a few Oreos have to go before you feel really satisfied. But, um, you know, just to that point, I make this point so much. There's nothing wrong with you if you go a little bit over, eat a little bit more, you enjoy a little bit more of the cake than you should. That's fine. Just get back on the horse, you know, the next meal or whenever. Um, the problem arises when you can't stop doing that. So getting back here, um, soybean oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil, sunflower oil, peanut oil, sesame oil, rice bran oil. Um, I don't really think I've seen rice bran oil. I've seen the other ones, but, uh, 
Both omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids are essential fatty acids, meaning that you need some of them in your diet because your body cannot produce them. Throughout our evolution, humans got omega-3 and omega-6 in a certain ratio. While this ratio differed between populations, it's estimated to have been about one to one. However, in the past century or so, this ratio in the Western diet has shifted dramatically and maybe as high as 20 to 1. Um, scientists have hypothesized, keyword here is hypothesized, that too much omega-6 relative to omega-3 may contribute to chronic inflammation. Uh, chronic inflammation is the underlying factor in most common Western diseases such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and arthritis. Observational studies have also associated a high intake of omega-6 fat to an increased risk of heart disease. Um, as we'll see a little bit later on, that doesn't really seem to pan out when you start looking at the human data, but um, we will continue on. However, these associations don't necessarily imply ca a causal relationship. In fact, the evidence for omega-6 being detrimental to human health is mixed. Some studies investigating the effect of omega-6 fat consumption generally do not support the idea that these fats increase inflammation. They have a uh, study linked here. We won't look into that. Um, uh, just because I got other ones and we'll be here all night and I have a podcast at 8.30, Cognitive Vigilance, which you guys should absolutely tag along for. Um, some studies investigating the effects of omega-6 fat consumption generally do not support these ideas that these fat increase inflammation. Um, For instance, eating a lot of linoleic acid, which is the kind of um, fatty acid that's found in seed oils, which the most common omega-6 fat doesn't appear to affect blood levels of inflammatory markers. Scientists do not fully understand what effects the omega-6 fats have on the body and more human studies are needed. However, if you're concerned, it's more important to limit um, processed foods that are high in omega-6 fats like baked treats, chips, deep-fried fast foods, takeout meals, as these have a more direct and proven effect on health. Um, current studies remain inconclusive as to how big of an impact avoiding vegetable oils when cooking at home actually has on health. So I just want to highlight this paragraph real quick. However, if you're concerned, it is more important to limit processed foods um, that are high in omega-6 fats like baked treats, chips, deep fried fast foods, takeout meals, as these have a more direct and proven effect on health. Um, as I've belabored in this podcast time and time again, and even in this podcast, this very one, um, it's because of hyperpalatable foods. When you you know, soak something in oil and you put some sugar in it, then, you know, it's going to be very, very hard to stop eating it. Think about, you know, deep fried Oreos and stuff like that, or French fries. When you mix these carbs and fats together, um, they're very, very palatable. So you're going to want to keep eating them. So therefore, you know, you're going to gain weight and it may cause your blood lipids to get all out of whack because you're consuming way too many calories. These oils are easily oxidized. Saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated fats differ by the number of double bonds and their chemical structures contain uh, saturated fats, no double bonds, monounsaturated fat, one double bond, and polyunsaturated fats, two or more double bonds. Uh, the problem with the polyunsaturated fats is that all these, ox or all these double bonds make them susceptible to oxidation. These fatty acids react with oxygen in the atmosphere and start deteriorating. The fat you eat isn't stored as fat, tissue, or burned for energy. It's also incorporated into cell membranes. If you have a lot of polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids in your body, your cell membranes are more sensitive to oxidation. In short, you have a very high level of fragile fatty acids that can be easily degraded to form harmful compounds called free radicals, which can cause cell damage. For this reason, it may be best to eat polyunsaturated fats in moderation. And vary your diet by eating a mix of healthy unsaturated or healthy saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated fats. Um, the USDA 2020 to 2025 dietary guidelines for Americans recommends to aim for 20 to 35 percent excuse me of total daily calories from fat, and no more than 10 percent of these calories coming from 
sorry, saturated fats. Um, so they threw out a lot of like big jargon there about free radicals and inflammation and all that. But uh, we should really kind of assess that by the human data and by what that actually means for your health. And if, you know, we see people who consume more linoleic acid, um, if they actually do generate more free radicals in their body. Um, I don't know of the evidence for that. I don't think it's very strong if there is any. Um, we're like I said, we're not going to dive too deep on that because we'll be here forever. Um, and I want to just kind of give you guys information on this stuff and then, you know, we can maybe visit this at a later date. Um, commercial vegetable, um, they are sometimes high in trans fats. Commercial vegetable oils may also contain trans fats, which form when the oils are hydrogenated. Food producers use hydrogenation to harden vegetable oils, making them solid like butter at a room temperature. Margarines are no longer full of trans fats. Since the FDA ban on trans fats in 2015, which went into effect in 2018, with an extended deadline of 2020 for some food manufacturers. However, some margarines may still contain a small amount of trans fats, so it's important to read the nutrition label. However, non-hydrogenated vegetable oils may also contain some trans fats. However, it's important to note that naturally occurring trans fats found in non-hydrogenated oils are not as detrimental for health compared to industrial trans fats. Also, natural trans fats are found in very small amounts when compared to hydrogenated oils. One 2015 study found extremely low amounts of trans fats, less than a quarter of 1% in vegetable cooking oil. And funny enough, that just reminds me of uh, the China buying all the farmland stuff and how they own less than a half of 1% of all the farmland in the U.S. Anyways, completely relevant. Um, <laughs> a high intake of trans fats associated with all sorts of chronic diseases, including heart disease, obesity, cancer, and diabetes. Um, <clears throat> if a product lists hydrogenated oil or partially hydrogenated oil as an ingredient, it likely contains trans fats. For optimal health, avoid these products, although with a trans fat ban, this are these are likely to only be present in very small amounts now. Um, so they had a little typo there. Um, vegetable oils and heart disease. Um, health professionals often recommend vegetable oils for those at risk of heart disease. The reason is that vegetables are generally low in saturated fat and high in polyunsaturated fat. The benefits of reduced saturated fat intake are controversial. However, studies show that reducing saturated fat intake for at least two years reduce, reduces the risk of heart problems by 21%, but it has no... Yeah, they have typos all over this damn thing. <laughs> but it has no significant effects on the risk of death from heart disease. Furthermore, omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids appear to have a greater benefit than omega-6 polyunsaturated fat, fatty acids. Um, the omega-6 linoleic acid has been associated with lower risk of heart disease, However, it is important to be vigilant about avoiding highly refined vegetable oils and processed foods that contain these oils. Um, I completely agree with this, and that's like I've been saying throughout the podcast. If you have a diet full of highly processed foods, then it's probably going to be hard to be satiated, and you're going to end up overeating and develop all these metabolic conditions. Our food environment makes it very easy for us to get more than enough of omega-6 rich vegetable oils. We can control how we prefer, prepare food at home, so an effort to Sorry. <laughs> practice moderation. It may be a good, or, um, so an effort to practice moderation, it may be a good idea to choose other oils that are lower in omega-6 content like olive oil or avocado oil. There's a lot of evidence on the benefits of olive oil on heart health. Um, so me personally, I typically do use olive oil and canola, or I'm sorry, not canola oil, um, avocado oil when cooking. Um, I do use canola oil for just like a cooking spray, but I mean, the amount of that that you're getting in an actual spray is so small that really shouldn't worry about it. Um, the bottom line, 
Vegetable vegetable oils generally seem to be healthy sources of fat. Some nutritionists are also concerned about the high amounts of polyunsaturated um, omega-6 fats found in certain vegetables. However, the evidence we have is not conclusive. Olive oil is an excellent example of a heart-healthy alternative to vegetable oil that's low in omega-6. Since omega-6 is already abundant in the American diet, substituting olive oil might be one of your best options. Um, last medically reviewed on June 9th of 2023. So that is that. And let's get this the heck out of there. So as you can see throughout that article, I think they hit the nail on the head. They're not that bad for you so long as you're not completely jam-packed filling your diet with um, seed oils. Uh, I would... I'm not a doctor, but I would recommend against using those just because in some people, if you eat a high saturated fat diet, then you may raise your LDL cholesterol, which does put you at a disproportionate risk of heart disease. Um, vegetable oils are fine too. I get why people use beef tallow. It tastes good. And I would never disagree with that. I don't completely avoid butter. I still use it, but I typically use like an all, um, a butter mix with like an olive oil. I think I have one with canola oil downstairs, which I know people would run me up the flagpole for, but once again, there's nothing wrong with vegetable oils as we're going to cover here. Let me get this out of here and share another screen. Yeah, um, I used to do carnivore. So as you could tell, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, this is against what my former bias was. It's just because over time I could no longer, um, you know, carry on the uh, same opinion that I once had. Okay. So we now we got this in here. Let me scroll back up to the top because we're not going to read through this whole thing. As you can see, there's a whole ton of crap in here, but um, it is in the link below. So for those listening, for those watching, you can read through this and come to your own conclusion. But um, I put my faith in this. Um, canola oil-based diets have been shown to reduce plasma cholesterol levels in comparison with diets containing higher levels of saturated fatty acids. Probably should have read the uh, title of this. Um, evidence of health benefits of canola oil. So it's published in uh, 2013. So where was I? Consumption of canola oil also influences the biological functions that affect various other biomarkers of disease. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He's risk. Previous reviews have focused on the health effects of individual components of canola oil. Here, the objective is to address the health effects of intact canola oil as this immediate practical implications for consumers, nutritionists, and others deciding which oil to consume or recommend. A literature search was conducted to examine the effects of canola oil consumption on coronary heart disease, insulin sensitivity, lipid peroxidation, inflammation, energy metabolism, and cancer cell growth. Data reveal substantial reductions in total cholesterol and low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, as well as other positive actions, including increased tocopheryl levels, sorry, <laughs> improved insulin sensitivity compared to with uh, consumption of other, other dietary fat sources. In summary, growing sci scientific evidence supports the use of canola oil be beyond its beneficial actions in circulating lipid levels as a health-promoting um, component of the diet. So let me look at my notes here because... I got certain stuff that I wanted to look at. Okay, so we're going to breeze through this introduction. Canola is a bright yellow flowering plant belonging to the Brassaceae. I'm not even going to try to say that. This family 
Includes three different species, uh, Brassica, Napis, Birepa, Bijuncia. Hopefully I said those right. Um, originally from the Mediterranean area in Northern Europe, uh, B. napis, commonly known as rapeseed. Rapeseed was identified in 2000 BC as a highly uracuic acid crop containing 40% uracuic uracuic acid um, UA, EA, that's what we'll call it, uh, due to concerns over EA content that stem from animal studies. High EA rapeseed oil used to be produced in North America solely in small quantities for industrial non-food use. Um, this is kind of where the neonatycles talking point comes in. Um, in 1976, um, Canadian scientists were able to improve the quality of previous cultivars of rapeseed through traditional plant breeding, which led to the conversion to commercially consumable canola um, cultivars um in 1979 canada registered the word canola to describe the new seed found to be oil which was low in ea acid and low in glu glucosinolates god i'm so sorry guys <laughs> by definition canola has a specific cutoff of ea of ea and glucosinolates um for both human and animal consumption in 1977 low ea rapeseed um lear um, oil containing um, minus 5% of EA and low glucosinolates was introduced as an edible oil in Europe. So kind of what she, what Nina Teichels and a lot of the people who talk about this stuff and when they refer to uh, the fact that, you know, this was industrial lubricant and stuff like that, um, what they leave out is that this, that they changed the composition of the oils to make them a little bit better, or actually a lot better for human consumption. In 1985, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration granted canola oil generally recognized a safe grass status as a dietary component. Throughout this review, um, the term canola oil is used general, generically. Oh, generically, sorry, is used to generically refer to the presently available conventional canola oil in North America and conventional Lear in oil in Europe. Um, other types of canola oil or Lear are specifically noted. Over the past 40 years, canola oil has become one of the most important oil seed crops worldwide. Today, canola oil is the third largest vegetable oil by volume after palm and soybean oil. Uh, the worldwide production of canola oil in 2010-2011 was 38 million metric tons, with Europe accounting for 63% and Canada uh, accounting for 31% globally. In the United States, canola, canola oil is one of the most widely consumed oils, second only to soybean oil. Um, canola oil is characterized by the following low level of saturated fatty acids, substantial amounts of monounsaturated fatty acids, and polyunsaturated fatty acids, and topicarols. Um, all of which have data indicating that they are cardioprotective substances. Um, I've pointed this out on Twitter before, and as we'll see, this is the um, situation with um, canola oils, that it is very cardioprotective. And with regard to the high polyunsaturated fatty acid content of canola oil, uh, Chris Etherton et al. and Gilligan Gillingham sorry, et al. have provided evidence supporting the positive effect of um Monounsaturated fatty acids compared to saturated fatty acids on cardiovascular health through the reg regulation of plasma lipids and lipoprotein susceptibility of low-density lipoprotein, LDL, oxidation, and insulin sensitivity. Um, also, for the treatment of existing cardiovascular disease, canola oil has been recommended for achieving the daily 
um, fatty acid requirements of one gram a day. In 2006, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration authorized the following qualified health claim for canola oil. Limited and not conclusive scientific evidence suggests that eating about one and a half tablespoons, 19 grams of canola oil daily may reduce the risk of coronary heart disease due to the unsaturated fat content in canola oil. Um, to achieve the possible benefit, um, canola oil is to replace similar amount of saturated fat and not increase the total number of calories you eat in a day. Um, that's actually a fine statement. People may take issue with me because it's the U.S. and Food and Drug Administration, but um, they're you know saying as long as you stay within your daily allotment for calories, you're going to be okay. Um, this claim was based on the validity of total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol as biomarkers for coronary heart disease. Um, more recently, growing numbers of studies indicate that biomarkers beyond blood lipids are beneficially influenced by canola oil consumption. The objective of this review was to conduct a literature assessment to examine the health benefits of intact canola oil rather than focus on the effects of individual components in the oil. Um, this approach can be considered more practical since consumers make choices among intact cooking oils for consumption. Further, this review investigated um, whether newer data are compatible or compatible with earlier conclusions regarding the health benefits of canola oil, um, the specific aim of this review based on the most recent literature available was to describe the effects of canola oil consumption on blood lipids, inflammation, insulin sensitivity, ODLC oxidation, energy metabolism, and cancer compared with other dietary fat sources. Uh, so I know that was a whole mouthful here, but, um, you know, here they, uh, oh, sorry, that was the wrong one. Um, literature search methods. So here they have one table. We're going to skip over that. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not the table I'm looking for. Um, I wanted to skip down to table two and we'll kind of look at this here. So once again, if I read this, you guys would absolutely fall asleep, but, um, this table was something that I thought was a little bit more to digest. So for those listening, I'm going to read over all of the, um, biomarkers and, Maybe not all of them, but like kind of lay out what this table is saying. So a summary of studies investigating the biomarkers of antioxidants, um, hemostasis, lipid peroxidation, inflammation with different types of diets. So with the baseline saturated fatty acid diet, there was actually an increase of um, atocopherol um, and then the SO diet. Um, no change, saturated fatty acid diet, no change, baseline saturated fatty acid diet on why tocopherol, um, no change, increase. Uh, there was one I was specifically looking for here. But basically what you're seeing in here is that um, saturated fatty acid actually leads to a uh, increase of a lot of stuff. So um, liquid, uh, lipid, liquid peroxidation, um, a lot of these, as you see, palm oil here decreases um, different um, peroxidations, inflammation. So as we go here, um, you see no change from all that. And yeah, basically they're laying out the way the different um, blood markers and different metabolic markers actually change when you consume different oils. So all this stuff's really, really fascinating to me. So we'll skip over this here. Let me get down to. Hopefully, I didn't scroll right past it. Watch me scroll right past it. I apologize. 
Conclusion. After 15 years of continuing research on canola oil since the latest review by DuPont et al., um, evidence shows a number of potential health benefits of canola oil consumption. Um, canola oil can now be regarded as one of the healthiest edible vegetable oils in terms of its biological functions and its ability to aid in reducing disease-related risk factors improving and improving health. Current research is expected to provide more complete evidence to support the health-promoting effects of canola oil when consumed at levels consistent with the dietary level guidelines. Um, so, uh, you know, people are, would complain about the funding, but this work was supported by the Canola Council of Canada, but, um, declaration of interest as consultant for, um, Canola Association, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, they have tons of references here and this is more of a meta-analysis. So they didn't just find a bunch of studies or perform a bunch of studies that suit their bias. They used ones that were already readily available to them. And you could sit here and say that, oh, well, yeah, conflict of interest or something else was going on there, but I think it's a little silly. So let me get that out of there. Typically, when people poke fun at the source of funding, typically it says more about their bias than it does anybody else's. Um, and I am not immune to that either. I would never be um, so pompous to tell you that I don't use those same tactics as well. So let's go to... The muffin study, um, we hear people talk about this a little bit. Um, so healthy fat science use muffins to help prove polyunsaturated fat oils help your heart. A conventional diet wisdom says to stay far, far away from fat. So to science with some research showing that a high fat diet can spike cholesterol levels and heart disease risk. Well, that's not not true. It's misguided to advise against eating fat altogether. There are, in fact, good and bad fats. What better way to make that point than by feeding a bunch of people muffins? There was uh, that was the premise of a Swedish study recently published in the Journal of American Heart or the Journal of the American Heart Association. Granted, the purpose of the study was for 39 adults to achieve a 3% weight gain, but the three muffins added to their daily diet were specifically made from either unsaturated sunflower oil, which they consider good fat, or saturated palm oil. So this is even fat from um, animal fats, um, bad fat, which they consider, once again, saturated palm oil to be a bad fat. Muffin was added or subtracted depending on how much weight the participant gained. Otherwise, they kept with their regular diet and fitness routine. Um, so people can complain about the design of the study, but um, from my, we'll kind of review how that goes here. Researchers found a nine a nine percent difference in bad LDL cholesterols, as well as a nearly eighteen percent difference in good HDL cholesterol among those eating muffins made from unsaturated versus saturated fat. Um, the numbers tipped in favor of the unsaturated group, increasing positive indicators for cardiovascular health. No, the carbohydrates and sugars were not magically missing from the muffins, but the uh, researchers only found that those made the saturated fat to be more problematic, um, as we're going to see actually in another, um, I, I think, a research review that I have here next. Um, when you add saturated fat to your diet, then it actually does increase um, fatty liver, which was a surprise to me. Um, unsaturated fat, formerly known as polyunsaturated fat, um, is formless. Sorry. <laughs> According to the Heart, American Heart Association, oils rich in polyunsaturated fats also provide essential fats that your body needs but can't produce itself, such as omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids. In addition to sunflower oil, soybean corn, and corn oil are rich in polyunsaturated fats. Beyond oil, fatty fish such as salmon, mackerel, nuts, seeds, and tofu are rich in this healthy fat too. Even in early adulthood, is it important to it is important to avoid high-calorie high foods Jeez, I don't know what the hell that was. Um, but it is also important 
to consume sufficient amounts of polyunsaturated fats from non-hydrogenated vegetable oils. Um, this is a lead study um, professor in uh, the Uppsala University in Sweden. Said in a press release, the lowering of the LDL or the lowering of cholesterol slash HDL cholesterol ratio by polyunsaturated fat is of special interest because recent large studies have shown that this ratio seems to predict heart disease risk even better than LDL levels alone. Um, I'm not exactly sure of that. But uh, we'll move on anyways. Uh, since it was intended for participants to gain weight, Rizaris added that these effects were noticeable in less than two months, which could implicate why individuals gain weight due to excess calorie intake from both sugars and fats and lack of physical activity. Rizaris also believes the, high, the effects of a high saturated fat, fat diet can be reversed. So there is that. That's covering the muffin study. Um, I've heard a lot of people debate that study. but. Um, there was a debate with um, Matthew Nagra and Tucker Goodrich, who um, has been like the big anti-seed oil guy. Um, I believe Matthew kind of wiped the floor with him, but um, I will let my listeners decide that. Uh, Gustav, thank you for dropping by, my friend. Um, awesome to have you here. And let's go into the last article, and then we will close her out. I got the right thing. No, no, sorry. Get that the heck out of here. So we are going to review this um, study. Overeating saturated fat promotes fatty liver and ceramides compared with polyunsaturated fats, a randomized trial. So um, we'll briefly read through this um i i will not dive into this whole thing because you can see the scroll bar here um saturated fatty acids versus polyunsaturated fatty acid may promote non-alcoholic fatty liver disease by yet unclear mechanisms to investigate if overeating saturated fat and polyunsaturated fat in rich diets leads to differential liver fat accumulation in overweight and obese humans um it was a double blind randomized control trial which is pretty much you know the ideal so um overfeeding saturated fat versus polyunsaturated fat for eight weeks followed by four weeks of caloric restriction um men and women it was a general community men and women who are overweight or obese muffins high in either palm or sunflower oil were added to the habitual diet um, main outcome measures lean tissue mass not reported here secondary and exploratory outcomes include liver, liver and ectopic fat depots um so here, by design, body weight gain was similar in saturated fat and polyunsaturated fat groups. Um, saturated fat markedly induced liver fat content 50% relative increase, um, along with liver enzymes and atherogenic serum lipids. In contrast, despite similar weight gain, polyunsaturated fat did not increase liver fat or liver enzymes or cause any adverse effects on blood lipids. Saturated fatty acid had no differential effect on the accumulation of visceral fat, pancreas fat, or total body fat compared to PUFA. Um, saturated fat consistently increased, whereas polyunsaturated fatty acids reduced circulating ceramides, changes that were moderately associated with liver fat changes and proposed markers of hepatic lipogenesis. The adverse metabolic effects of saturated fatty acids were reversed by caloric restriction. So um, just to give a little takeaway there, if you are unhealthy, um, then you can reverse that by going on, you know, a calorie restricted diet and then improving your health that way. Stop. Is that so? Oh, didn't know that. Well, I appreciate you dropping in either way, brother. 
Um, he said, I never get notifications for your live streams until they're almost over. Yeah, I'm going to be ending this one probably here in another 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, so I guess everybody listening, if you're listening on audio, then please rate, subscribe, and do all that good stuff. And if you're listening on YouTube, hit that damn bell button. So that way you get a notification when I go live because apparently people are having trouble seeing that. Um, so anyways, back on to this. Um, once again, appreciate you guys being here. Saturated fat markedly induces liver fat and serum ceramides, whereas dietary polyunsaturated fat prevents liver fat accumulation, reduces ceramides and hyperlipidemia during excess energy intake and weight gain in overweight individuals. So um, like I said, I don't want to drone on too long. I probably already put you guys to sleep with all the science and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so as you can see, there's nothing wrong with oil or any other seed oil so um as long as you're not eating in a ridiculous caloric excess you're probably going to be okay so um a lot of the carnivore people and this is just me spitballing here so don't take this to the bank but it's just kind of my idea um out when al and i had talked last year actually right around this time funny enough um people always bring up the, our hunter gatherer past so what people will tend to like bias towards is the hunter part we went out and threw spears and killed mammoths and killed all these big animals and ate all the fatty meat and life was good and everybody was jacked and um the gut brain hypothesis right where we sacrificed we got rid of all the stomach and all the gut to get more brain material because we were able to cook and all that other stuff um now a corollary there is also the fact that we developed fire back around that same time and we also developed tools so we started creating essentially labor-saving devices so instead of trying to bring down a mammoth your bare hand you could have tools and fire to kill it by other means and also cook food and when you cook food the calories and the nutrients are generally more bioavailable as long as you don't overheat them right so um what they typically leave out when they bias towards the hunter part is the gatherer part so what alan had told me and i haven't looked at this stuff personally but i do believe that he's probably right that uh, the gatherers would gather fruits berries and foods high in fiber and our ancestors ate as much as like 50 grams of fiber a day so all the negative effects that we see from saturated fat today are probably due to a lack of fiber like a fiber, fruits, vegetables, and stuff like that. So if you have a diet, and, and there's actually evidence for this. I don't have the study off, off the top or you know offhand, but uh, people who have the highest fruit and vegetable intake and the highest meat intake actually have the lowest all-cause mortality when compared to other people who have the um, basically the same diet but have a higher meat intake and a lower fruit and vegetable intake. So I think that kind of pans out in the data too. So basically my recommendation for a diet, and I was just talking to somebody about this a little bit earlier, get as many lean meats as possible. If you have a fattier meat, like let's say you're going out and you just want to have a ribeye, enjoy the fucking ribeye. Or if you want to have a burger, enjoy the burger too. Don't be afraid to enjoy food every once in a while, but um, basically try to keep your diet at leaner meats. So, you know, your sirloins, your flank steaks, your flat iron steaks, um, chicken, leaner pork, and you could still enjoy bacon too. Maybe do turkey bacon if you want something a little bit leaner. Um, and then as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Just don't be afraid to load up on all that kind of stuff. Salads. I love Brussels sprouts, um, peppers, you name it, potatoes, whatever. Um, when it comes to fruits, peaches, mangoes, oranges, blueberries, grapes, apples, you name it, include all that stuff in your diet in as high of a volume as you possibly can. And to, you know, get the fiber nutrients and all that stuff. And I think you got a pretty solid diet right there. Even if you have a milkshake every here and there, a burger, bacon, whatever. Um, I think you're generally going to be okay. As long as you kind of, 
you know, have a good exercise routine and don't eat like a complete and total asshole. Um, I recently went back to an all food after being vegan for over 10 years. Well, God bless you, brother. Um, I did carnivore for two years and it worked great until it didn't. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't think restricting is a good idea for most people. I do think most people want to enjoy a lot of foods. It was kind of weird. I would get the worst cravings and just binge when I was on carnivore, which I covered on quite a few other podcasts. So, um, I think I'm going to wrap here. Thank you guys so much for dropping by. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you go hit the links below so you can get all my, you think I would know how to do this by now. MTS Nutrition. Get yourself a squid as well. I got that off Amazon. It's only $10 and it is the reversible one. Uh, LMNT for the world's best electrolytes. And also go to foxandsons.com to uh, get some awesome coffee. Use code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at checkout. And in about an hour or so, I will be live with Cognitive Vigilance with Ryan and Brandy to talk all the latest internet zeitgeist, cultural stuff, and intersexual dynamics. So um, until next time, guys, I appreciate you dropping by. Like, subscribe, and share. Give me a review everywhere. It means a lot to me. And take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.